Welcome to Metro. You could not have come to church on a better morning. Uh, you are in for a great experience. What we want to do today is we want to take you on a journey into what we call our Reach Global efforts. Uh, Reach Global is our international mission arm of our church, and uh, God is using our little church to reach the world. Well, recently I had a chance to go on a mission trip, a uh, short-term mission trip to Nicaragua, and uh, we took some video. And I want to just show you parts of the trip and kind of fill in some of the pieces of why we do Reach Global and what people can expect when they go and what God is doing among us in these places around the world. Check this out. Hey Metro, we are in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I am on my first missionary trip to Nicaragua. Uh, from the earliest days of Metro, we have said that we wanted to be a church that takes risks, that wants to do something with our faith, and so um, we're going to kind of try to document this trip. We're going to show you what we're doing and how we're doing it, because ultimately my goal is to get you to leave your seats and to go to a different part of the world to serve Christ, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and so hopefully you'll get a good picture about what it means to get on a plane and to go somewhere else, take a risk, and to do something with your faith. So here we are in Managua, Nicaragua, uh, suffering for Jesus, as you can see. Uh, no, we got in in the middle of the night. Uh, we landed right near uh, a great hotel, so we got a hotel here. And uh, uh, it's interesting about Nicaragua. We, we're going to learn that it is really two different worlds. Uh, right in the city, uh, there there's some you know good middle class and even upper middle class style living. Uh, but once you get out of the city, it becomes like a third world nation. Some of the poorest areas on the planet are actually in Nicaragua, and we're going to be visiting some of those. Uh, but what's interesting about our trip here is that I'm here with just uh, four of us, myself and uh, Luke Bondi, he's over there, and he's our Reach Global guy. We got Pastor Jack Napier. We brought him just because he's super cool. And, of course, Eric uh, Hildebrandt, he's our video guy. And he's a dear friend of mine. And uh, so we're here on a different sort of trip. Most of our trips, you go and, and you serve directly. You go and try to minister to people, spread the love of Christ verbally. Sometimes it's through work service. Sometimes we try to teach in, in these different settings. Sometimes we do uh, care for the orphans. Uh, a lot of times we do the water filtration systems. And, and so most of the time you're doing on these trips. But for, for me in particular, and for our trip here, uh, it's a little bit different. We're here on a reconnaissance trip. We're here to find out uh, if this is a place that our church wants to put its resources. Uh, you, you see, because a lot of places, you, you learn after the fact that uh, you spend a lot of money, you spend a lot of heart, a lot of effort, and you don't feel like the work uh, of the gospel is efficient. And, and honestly, it's in my blood and it's in our church's DNA to make sure we're effective and efficient with where we're spending our money and our resources. And, and so what we're going to try to do is we're, we're beginning to work with this group called New Hope Initiative. Uh, New Hope is a larger mission type of organization. Uh, they got works all over the world and they're beginning a brand new work right here in Nicaragua. And uh, we're trying to figure out if we want to be partners with them. And we want to know these people. We want to know if they're legit. We want to know if they're worth our investment. And uh, so that's our hope. Uh, we're praying for wisdom. We're praying that God would lead us and direct us. And, and we want to be able to come back to our church and let you know that this is legit. This is where we're going to invest a lot of resources over the next several years. So we're going to find out. Come along.
So we are now in a city called Jalapa, and it's a city of around 60 to 80,000 people. It's really hard to tell because so many people live in these kind of shanty type of villages. It's kind of crazy. Um, but we are actually in uh, a hotel type of a thing, and we got in late last night in the middle of the night, and it was kind of strange. Um, when we, when we landed in Managua, I, I kind of was like disappointed because Nicaragua seemed nice, you know? I mean, I mean it's not like America, but it, it seemed like kind of nice. To, uh, uh, and then we stayed in this hotel last night that was so, I mean, it was like luxury to me. It was like, this was like higher end than I'm used to, you know? Um, but things radically changed. As soon as we started driving even through Managua, I realized, oh wow, we are truly in a different country. Uh, we drove out of the city for five hours and literally it was driving through five hours of slums. Um, honestly, I've not experienced this before. This is a poor community, guys. Uh, you need to prepare your hearts for this. Uh, when you drive through the village portion to get to this place, you are literally seeing world level poverty. Um, it'll shock you. Uh, people have very, very little. All day long, we've been seeing people with no shoes and no clothes. And uh, we're talking four walls in a, in a very makeshift rough as the average home. I mean, it's, it's tough, you know. There is an armed security guard on the ground, which was a little shocking at first. He's got a big old, you know, uh, military-style gun. And they do that to, you know, to protect us and whatnot. And it's, but it's pretty safe. Uh, um, and, and one of the reasons is because it's a locked compound, it's pretty protected. Uh, and so they're gonna, this is the hotel. This is the main uh, entrance of the hotel here. It's kind of crazy. Um, and then these are little hotel style rooms. There's like two beds in each room. Uh, they're pretty clean, but they're not, uh, they're not the Holiday Inn, if you know what I mean. Uh, but it's a beautiful area. And uh, the one thing you're gonna notice is that there's bugs, there's bugs, but there's not, it's like no more than Michigan. Like Michigan, you're always hitting mosquitoes and flies and all that kind of stuff. It's not even that bad, uh, but they have these crazy loud bugs that literally sound like, I don't even know what it sounds like. I swear it sounds like a plane going off half the time. It's, it's bizarre how loud the bugs are, uh, but they're not like on you or anything. It's really weird. They're in the trees and stuff. It's, it's crazy. One of the struggles that I personally had on this trip, and almost everybody who ever goes on these trips comes back and says they have the same struggle, and that is that we live in a world of unbelievable blessing. Uh, you and I in America, we just have it all. Like when, when I was in Nicaragua, uh, to see these two worlds collide was unbelievable. Uh, people that we were visiting, their homes had dirt floors and the average living room furniture set were two plastic chairs like we would buy at Walmart for five bucks. They were probably 15 years old and they would have two of these plastic chairs and a, you know, a couple of crates for like an end table of some kind. And if they were really doing well, they had a big box TV, like a 19 inch box TV from 1984 um, with an antenna to get maybe a TV station. It was it's just the crazy differences in world, and, and we live with such wealth. And, and, and as a matter of fact, near the end of our trip in Nicaragua, uh, we stopped uh, at their mall. They, they have like one mall that's kind of an upscale type of a mall, and I was blown away by the diversity of income. There, there was uh, super poor, and then you'd go to this mall and you could buy shirts for $500. It, it was 
it's crazy, and you have to wrestle with this. What do we do as Christians, as American Christians, with this kind of wealth that we live in? You know, we go on these mission trips, and we see a world that has very, very little, and then we come home to everything. It's unbelievable. Um, and so we, we wonder, what does God want from us with this? Does God want us to go sell everything that we have? Does God want us to just give up everything, give it all to the poor, and become poor ourselves? I, as, as I thought about this, and as I wrestled with this in my own soul, uh, I don't think that that's what God wants. Now, he might, for some of you, he might be calling you to literally give up everything. But I don't think that that's what God's call is for most of us. I think God's call for us is to leverage what we have, to make sure that he is first and he is most in our lives. That that he on the food chain of our life and the economic chain of our life, that he is truly first, that we put his kingdom uh, first in whatever he leads you to do, to give, uh, wherever he leads you to go, whatever he leads you to say, that you do that in response to him, that you leverage your life, that you leverage your resources for his kingdom first. And he says if you seek first his kingdom, then everything else will be added to you. And so this is what we have been trying to tell people who who are going from our church to these third world countries that you are entering a different world. And you're going to have to wrestle through these emotions um, of having so much, even the poorest among us, is rich in these worlds. We're in the neighborhoods a little bit behind the church and uh, we spent our whole day giving out Lucy lights and meeting some of the people and just trying to connect with them. Uh, we've invited dozens of families to the church and I tell you, when you, when you look at this, it, it's a little overwhelming. Uh, I've been raised in this like kind of middle class American sort of a world and uh, when you see for the first time, this sort of thing. I, I, I can't even hardly process a life like this. Um, and so we're looking at poverty that I've never seen before, but, but more than that, so many uh, don't know God. They don't have a connection uh, with God. This, this lady just came up to us and she had these pictures of her worshiping God inside of a church because she wanted to let us know that she worships God. And ultimately, uh, God is the only the only fix for the kind of poverty that ails these people most, right? That it's poverty of the soul that matters most. And uh, so when, when I think about what can our little church in Detroit, Michigan do to fix some of this, the answer is probably not much, if we're, if we're honest. It's just probably not much. I'm sure we can maybe put a few kids in school and we can maybe invite a few to a church. I don't know, but, but I do know this. That, that Christ, when he came, he died for the individual. He came for the individual. And if we can, as a church, affect a few families, um, to me it's worth it. If we can efficiently and effectively move people toward God um, and help their life at the same time, maybe that's how we lead them toward God, is if we help their life. So if we can put a few of these kids in school, if we can help build a school, if we can help raise up an effective church and begin to teach leadership principles to a church, um, I think we've done good. And I think God will be honored and God will be pleased. And I think God would use our little efforts. And so uh, in the next year or so to come, my hope is, is that a whole bunch of you, I mean a whole bunch of you, teenagers, young adults, middle-aged adults, and yes, even older people in our church, my hope is, is that we will get rid of the fear, 
that we will get rid of our intrepidation, that we will stop thinking, oh, I don't have time, I don't have money, or what could I do? Because you can do something. Uh, we want people to either go or we want people to send, but I'm hoping that in the next year we'll raise up an army to go to places like Nicaragua, like Colombia, like Haiti, where we've begun works. And we're gonna find works at work. And we're gonna find works that are sustainable. We're gonna find works that really matter in people's lives. And I'm hoping that you will join me in this, that our church will make a difference in this world. I have to admit that I had a lot of fear about going on this trip. You see, I've been in church work for a while, and uh, honestly, I have uh, sent and organized trips all over the world for over 20 years now, and, and literally have sent hundreds, if not thousands of people on trips, and I've raised probably a million dollars um, to send people around the world. And uh, I thought for a long time that was good enough for me that, you know, my job was to lead them and to push people into that. And I think that's part of my role. Um, but I knew that God was calling me and that it was time for me uh, to, to get involved and to go myself. And, and um, it is scary. It is scary to go. It, uh, it is risky to go. But I began to think about this. What, what's the greater risk? The greater risk is not doing what God wants you to do. Uh, the greater risk is, is to get old in our lives and to be past our ability to physically go and to know that God has called us and yet we did nothing about it. That's a huge risk that, that I just couldn't die with, you know, that, that God had called me uh, to go and make an impact around the world and, and I hadn't done it yet. Uh, and some of you uh, in this room, even now, God is calling you. And we're not getting any younger, right? We're getting older every year. Um, we're going to lose our ability to be effective. Let's do what God wants us to do when he wants us to do it. Uh, and if we do this, if we step out, if we risk much in order to reach many, um, God will meet us in this. He will meet us every single time. And uh, when we go, we, we partner with these churches. It's not like we're just dropping in and saying, hello, Nicaragua, hello, Colombia, we're here. You know, we, we partner with people who are there on the ground. We, we partner with churches that know what they're doing and trying to reach their communities. And uh, we try all kinds of cool little things like the school. We're launching this school there um, that'll help us connect with people's lives. Uh, one of the coolest things that we've been doing uh, for a couple of years as we bring in these little dresses, right? Uh, originally, there's this group out there. They, they're part of our church. They're called Little Dresses for Africa, and they're amazing what they do. And um, so we bring these little dresses. We hand them out to the poor, and uh, it's a great way to connect. Well, we've been bringing these things called Lucy lights, or these little LED lights. And uh, many of the people we, we go to don't even have electricity. And so this is their very first chance to have light after dark in their home. And it's amazing. Um, when you hand one of these lights to a family, uh, they're just so surprised. They're, they're just so grateful. And it's an open door to share the light of Christ. So here we are in one of the northern villages of Nicaragua, and we are about ready to give away the Lucy lights. And what we've done is we partnered up with the local church we're working with, and we are going to give them away in the name of the pastor and of the church as a way of, uh, as, as a way of bridging the relationship and uh, as a way of making the church look generous to the people and trying to connect them to their lives. And so uh, we're going to be giving your, your lights away uh, right now. So it's kind of cool. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yep. Yep. It's a light. It's a light. You 
push a button, lights come on. So this is a solar light? Tell her it's a solar light. Is it a solar luz? Yes, solo le aprieta, se acaba, va para el sol. Lo pone en el sol y vuelve a ocupar. Sun? Okay, va. So we're walking through the village just trying to find different people home. Particularly we want to find the woman of the house and give it to her. And uh, we're giving it in the name of the church and in the name of the pastor. And uh, all the kids want to take them and run with them. And so you kind of have to tell them no, and because we're trying to get to their parents, that's really the key. So uh, it's unbelievable how uh, to look around and see so many of these kids don't have shoes on. Uh, they live in, in ways that you and I just wouldn't even dream of living. It's, it's, uh, if you stopped and thought about it, you would cry. <laughs> uh, you really don't even want to think about it. It's so, uh, it's such a different world than we're living in. It really, really is. Uh, so hopefully we can make it a little bit better. The sun goes down, you put it up on your house, and you sun, sun charges it. Yeah, and it's a gift, a gift from the pastor and the church. Por parte Santuario Familiar Bautista y el pastor Porfirio his church, where he goes to church. It's a gift for your family. Oh, you're welcome. Gracias to you. Pastor. Oh. Hey Metro, we are in Jalapa and we've been here for a couple days now and uh, spent the whole day with uh, people up in the uh, mountain villages and uh, just seen a whole different side of the world that I've never seen before. And uh, now we're in the center square of Jalapa. This is a very interesting town. Uh, the center square is overlooked by the Catholic Church. And uh, the Catholic Church sort of looks over everything in Central America. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, while many people in, in Nicaragua, they still believe in the Catholic Church, they don't necessarily um, follow Christ. They don't necessarily believe that he is a person to have a relationship with, that you can't really know your creator. It's almost like a superstition or a mythical belief for many of them. And so we're here, one of the reasons we're here is to show them that that Christ is real and he's real in our lives and he can be, uh, that you can know him personally and love him and follow him. Uh, so this center square is interesting. It's, uh, many of the locals call it the uh, Garden of the Idols uh, because they have the idol of uh, Mother Mary and then of course they got the Indian and then the idol of the world and the Catholic Church kind of overlooks the whole thing. Um, it's kind of crazy, but uh, this is interesting. A center square in town, we don't have this very often in our area, uh, but all the locals come here because this is where they can get Wi-Fi. And uh, they, they buy these cheap uh, data-driven phones, but they don't buy plans for them. They come here and then this is where they connect to the world. Uh, it's very, very interesting. So data here is free in this little square. So everybody comes all day long here. Uh, it's very, very interesting. About 20,000 people live within walking distance of this little uh, square. And, and it's a beautiful little place and the people seem to be very, very kind. But the city itself is interesting. It reminds you of something like out of 1950s or 60s that hasn't been updated since. And it wasn't built very well even when it was originally built. All the houses are right on top of the street and the kids just kind of come right out their front door, right onto the street. And uh, dogs are everywhere. It's crazy. Cows, goats, ponies, just walking around randomly. Uh, it's very, very different. And so you have two worlds coming together, an old world and a new world. And um, so we're here trying to get to know the folks, trying to share the love of Christ with them, trying to help establish the church, which is just up that hill right, right that way. And uh, we're trying to establish the church uh, that Jesus wants here. And it's going to be an incredible work that we're doing here.
At the center of the work in Jalapa is a man. He is the pastor of this little village. His name is Pastor P. Porta, Portafiro, or Porta, I don't know, we just call him Pastor P. And uh, he, is a, uh, he is a man of God. He has a very interesting story. He is one of the most, if not the most, educated man in the whole region. Uh, he's got a couple master's degrees. Uh, he was the principal at the largest high school in the largest city in Nicaragua. Uh, he was a man of some renown, and he came to a point in his life where uh, he, he was empty in his soul. Uh, that he knew he was trying to help people through his work as an educator, uh, but for him it just wasn't quite enough. And uh, and so God called him, and it's interesting, he met these missionaries who are our missionaries in Nicaragua, and uh, he began a relationship with them that led him to Christ. And his story is fascinating, and he's doing an amazing work there. So he pastors the church, and he's leading the school that is about to open that we're helping with. And uh, I just want to show you just a bit of his story because he's an incredible man. And I hope that you can get this just by watching a few moments of him telling his story. Tener un buen momento laboral. Sin embargo, yo sentía algo feo, un vacío en mi vida. Sentía que tenía todo, pero no tenía nada, porque verdaderamente mi vida era muy vacía. Hasta que llegó un momento en que, por cosas de la vida, caminando por la ciudad de Managua, entré a un gimnasio de boxeo y encontré allí a un grupo de personas que estaban promoviendo la inauguración de una iglesia. Allí logré conocer al que hoy es mi misionero y él hacía trabajo con el deporte a través del boxeo y logré tener después de muchas peripicias eh, una invitación de parte de ellos, ¿verdad? Cuando un joven agarró una invitación, la hizo una pelota y la tiró y cayó en mis manos. Entonces yo tuve oportunidad y le dije a mi esposa que fuéramos a esa inauguración. Eso fue una gran bendición para mí porque verdaderamente desde ese momento yo sentí el gozo y terminó para mí el vacío que había en mi vida porque sentí que era eso lo que yo verdaderamente tenía y quería. And so over the years, uh, the problem is, is that you hear of a cause and your heart breaks and you want to do something about that cause, especially if it involves children or orphans and that sort of a thing. And so your heart just breaks and you start throwing money at it, you start throwing energy at it, and you start throwing your time at it. Um, but sometimes it just isn't the most effective thing. And one of the things that we have learned is that the, the who is way more important than the what. The quality of the people, the quality of the organization, the efficiency of the organization, the effectiveness of the organization, it is just way more important to know the who than, than the what. And so um, the, the, we feel that if you're working with the right who, the what can take second place to that. And we can get behind the what if we can get behind the who. And, and so uh, in Nicaragua, we think we have found a group of people uh, that we can work with long-term. They are quality people. Um, Pastor P is one of those people, but the organization is called Familia Advancia, Family Advance Nicaragua. And um, it is led by our missionary buddy named Brian. And uh, he is a solid man of God. He is a hard worker. And he is leading his organization to reach the people of Nicaragua. So in 15 years, Family Advance has... Uh, been trying to reach the people of Nicaragua. And they've launched nine churches. 
They've launched feeding centers, medical centers, schools, sporting leagues, sporting activity centers. It's been incredible. Their work is just amazing. In Jalapa, the city in which we're particularly working, uh, they've launched a church, and the church is up and running, and it's growing, and uh, has, a, I think, around 150, 200 people that attend on a regular level. And, uh, and now they're getting ready to launch a school. And Metro City Church is going to play a big role in this school. Check this out. Hey Metro, we are at the uh, school church compound in Jalapa where we have been working in Nicaragua. Uh, very excited to uh, share with you a little bit about what's going on. Um, this compound, it's all gated in, as you can see, it's all fenced in and uh, they do that because security is always an issue. Uh, not so much for your personal safety while you're here, but to protect the stuff while you're not here, if you know what I mean. Uh, but our hope is, is that this little school uh, will be replicated in uh, all the way around this campus. So our goal is to have three or four buildings just like this. Uh, and when you look at this, this little school, it is so simple. Uh, it's just four walls and, and a roof. Uh, and to us, it looks like it's just so, so simple. Uh, but to the folks here, this is incredible. This is like the pride of the community. This is literally one of the nicest buildings in Jalapa. And um, I wanna ask you, uh, to partner with me in a big way to help complete the school here. Uh, our goal as a church is to help educate the people of Jalapa and to give them the gospel. That's, that's where it's at for us, and we think this is a great way to do it. And I'm going to ask that you would partner with me to raise some money to complete this school. Uh, let me show you what I mean. Let's go on and take a look inside. So here's the inside of the school, and there's not much to it at all, right? It's, it's very simple. It's just four walls. Uh, but again, this is really nice for this level. Uh, but if you think about it, you have a, a nice building, and you have teachers, and uh, there are kids everywhere in this community. So you have the kids. But you need to give the teachers the assets to work with. You need to give the kids something to work with. And so... Um, if we're going to be committed to this, I would love for us to outfit this school in a big, big way. As a matter of fact, I haven't even told the director we're doing this. What I want to do is I want to raise $15,000 and I want to put desks and I want to put chairs and I want to put whiteboards on the, uh, on the wall and I want to give them crayons and markers and, and I want to give them books and papers and pencils and I want to give them a teacher's desk to sit at. And, and so what we're going to do, like this little room, uh, it's an empty room now, but we want to get these dividing walls to have three classrooms in this building. So these, each of these buildings are going to have three grade levels, and this will be the first, second, and third grade room. And again, it seems so simple to us, but this is life-changing to this little village. And, and I think we can do this. So I was thinking about how are we going to raise $15,000? Uh, well, I got to thinking about it. There are well over 500 families that make up the metro community. Well over. Uh, 500 single people, 500 married people, 500 family units, right? And uh, we were thinking that if each family just gives $30, overnight we're done. We don't have to drag it on and, uh, or anything like that. We, $30 a piece, it is so simple um, for us to do this. You think of that, that's a, that's a tank of gas. That's one trip for two to Cadobas practically anymore, right? Um, but that $30 is absolutely world-changing to these people. And, and so instead of uh, sending a 
uh, container overseas. We think it's actually cheaper. We've been looking at the research. It's actually cheaper for us just to buy everything in country and to have them do the work to get it here and set it up. Um, but it's our money that's going to make it happen. And, and so uh, our hope is as a church that we're going to be committed to this region, that we're going to come here uh, team after team, year after year, and, and we're going to slowly build a community of faith here. That's our goal. That's our hope. Um, there's great people on the ground here. There's great people doing the work of the kingdom here all year long. Uh, we want to partner with them, $30 each. So you're going to hear more about this, and uh, we can do this like overnight metro. If this could happen. It could be, it could be really cool. We, we, we value relationship. We value the ability to come back to the same group of people over and over and over. We want them to believe that we truly care about them and their country and about their lives and that we're not just some group of Americans with a whole bunch of money coming in and thinking we know it all and then swooping in and swooping out. We, we don't want that. We really believe that, just like here in the States, that relationship wins, that relationship is where the gospel is best given uh, to somebody else. And so we are so excited about what God is doing in the city of Jalapa and it is exciting that our little church in Detroit, Michigan gets to play a role there. And uh, Pastor P is a an awesome man, and, uh, and and we can trust his work there. I'm telling you, we can trust it. And, and what's really cool is that um, Pastor P came to Christ through the missionary organization that we're working with. And, and so uh, we've learned a few things, like we said, right? We've learned a few things about what we want to do and become a, a, as a church when it comes to reaching global. Uh, and, and the second thing that that we're just putting a higher and higher value on is that we want to be more gospel-centric than ever before. We think it is incredibly important to do good works. We think it's incredibly important to do humanitarian, social justice sort of works. But we feel that 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 the gospel, the message of Jesus, needs to be perfectly intertwined with it all. That it can't be just given a cup of cold water, but it has to be given a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. And here's the third thing that we're learning about our, our global missions is that we want to be more relational and we want it to be more and more centered around the local church. Um, we understand that there are incredible humanitarian works, Christian humanitarian works going on around the globe. We, we think it's so important and we support those types of things. But for us, we, we are a local church, and we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. Uh, we believe that the local church will outlive our little local church, that God's work, the church, this is what he's building. It will outlast you, it'll outlast me, it'll outlast Metro, Metro City. And, and so if Metro or any church goes around the world and does humanitarian works, we applaud that. But if they go in their own name, uh, and they're not centered around a local community church that will outlast live as soon as we leave, as soon as our money leaves, as soon as our people leave, as soon as our expertise leaves, um, the work will dry up. It'll become worthless work. And we don't want that. We want it to live on way beyond us. And so uh, in the future, as we look forward, we are going to be in greater and greater partnership with local churches in these countries because we believe that that will make us way way more effective. Um, so we've learned a lot, and this trip was great for me personally, but I think it was also good for our church because it's helping to set the direction for our future. Now, now I want to play one more thing before we're done um, because it always comes down to an individual. It always comes down to what are we doing to reach a person 
a soul, a name. Um, are we doing any good at all? And uh, one of the young guys that we met there uh, was a guy named Fabrizio. And um, Fabrizio uh, has found Christ through this little church in Jalapa. And his story is amazing. He is an incredible young man. His heart for Jesus, his heart for people is incredible. Uh, God has taken this young kid and turned him upside down. Check out his story. Bueno, mi nombre es Fabricio, ¿verdad? Nací en la ciudad de Jalapa. Eh, también eh, crecí, ¿verdad? En la ciudad de Estelí viví eh, prácticamente 11 años. Y la verdad es que siempre me invitaron a la iglesia de Santuario Familiar Bautista Jalapa y la verdad es que me gustó mucho la iglesia y, y después de un tiempo regresé de nuevo, ¿verdad? A la ciudad de Jalapa y visité la iglesia. Y tenía un amigo que él siempre insistía bastante en que siempre fuera con él a acompañarlo a la iglesia porque era una iglesia de jóvenes que siempre se mantenía activa y, y siempre estuvo él insistiendo para que yo fuera a la iglesia. Luego estuve verdad en la iglesia como invitado, estuve yendo buen tiempo y con el pastor Porfirio estuve platicando ¿verdad? acerca de los diferentes ministerios y cómo se trabajaba a través de avances y la verdad es que sí me gustó mucho la iglesia porque se enfocaban bastante en, en jóvenes y les gustaba bastante lo que es el deporte y que podíamos comenzar con el ministerio y, y dentro de una de las visitas que yo estuve en uno de los cultos ¿verdad? Eh, acepté al Señor Jesucristo como nuestro Salvador y la verdad es que fue de gran gozo para mí porque es una experiencia única y solamente la vivimos una vez en la vida. Platicando sobre los ministerios, eh, yo le comenté a Pastor Porfirio que, que si podía yo introducir un ministerio dentro de la iglesia, dentro de la iglesia que era Taekwondo y él me dijo, sí, está bien. Y a través ¿verdad? de las visitas a la iglesia, luego me bauticé en la iglesia como a los siete meses después de haber aceptado al Señor Jesucristo. Y ahora soy un joven activo en la iglesia, ¿verdad? sirviendo en los diferentes ministerios. Actualmente estoy trabajando con el ministerio de Taekwondo, con los jóvenes que están llegando a la iglesia con el único fin ¿verdad? de de ganarlos para Cristo y, y seguir trabajando con jóvenes. Eh, estoy trabajando en el Ministerio del Sonido, igual llevo, dirijo los encuentros de jóvenes los días sábados y la verdad es que me siento muy feliz porque es un arado poder estar al frente de, de una iglesia y poder servir a nuestro Señor Jesucristo. Y así como yo llegué a la iglesia, ¿verdad? A través de los diferentes ministerios que estoy trabajando, así también este, con los diferentes ministerios que trabajamos, espero y, y llevar a más jóvenes a, a través de diferentes ministerios a los pies de Jesucristo. Ese es el único fin de trabajar con ellos. Amén. Amén.